What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode number two of Betting and Boozing here on the HHH Racing Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Roscoe, and man, am I so excited to bring you guys this edition of this show. We're going to be talking NFL division round. We're going to be talking Gulfstream Park again with great racing, wide open fields. It's going to be an absolute blast. If you are, make sure you got your beverages ready and let's get her going, guys. So, but first of all, before we take care of anything else, if you are brand new here or you find yourself coming back on the regular and you aren't subscribed yet, please hit that subscribe button down below or on the bottom right-hand side of the screen. You can click it there as well. It would mean a lot to us and appreciate. Uh, we appreciate it. And it tell, lets YouTube know that this is a show that people want to watch. So please, if you could, hit that subscribe button. And while you're down there, please like this video and hit the notification bell. Notification bell allows you to never miss a new show that arrives on this channel and the like button lets youtube know again that this is a show that people want to watch so please it really helps us out and we really appreciate it also tomorrow's show is a big deal on the hhh racing podcast if you've been with us forever you've been with us for two days it is a massive deal howard kravitz is celebrating his two-year anniversary of this podcast tomorrow night thursday we're gonna have a brand new montage we're gonna have brand new you know we're just, it's gonna be a massive show so if you could please come out watch the beginning for that new montage and everything else but again congratulations to howard kravitz for two years straight of this podcast bringing great content to you guys so once again please congratulate him tomorrow it's gonna be a big show if you are an audio listener we have apple Podcasts, spotify and anchor those are our three main platforms that we have for you audio listeners. So if you could please rate, review and subscribe as well over there as well on YouTube. We have a horse racing promotion for you guys again, the Power Picks. They're a very a very affordable tip sheet that goes out every Saturday for the racing that they cover on the Thursday show. It is only $4 a weekend and you get you get spot plays so you get the they, Howard picks horses that he thinks are going to win at a price. You get pick fives which we have to pick the winners of five races in a row. You get every single one of those um, every single one of his grids for winners during that also with his co-host with Pete and Paul. So if you are interested, please go below the video player or go to patreon.com slash HHH racing podcast to subscribe today. Also, if you're interested, it has previous uh, power picks so you could check out before you buy also has an about us section where you can learn a lot about us, me, Pete, Paul, Howard, Charlie, and Patrick. So if you could, if you're interested, please go, to our great website, hhhracingpodcast.com. Now, without further ado, I'm going to bring my other co-hosts on. We're going to go over what we went over last week, check out how we did, and we're going to go with talking about our $50 contest winner, which we'll talk about from last week as we bring my co-hosts on. From New Jersey, it is Patrick Kunsel, and from, I'm not saying it this time, Ohio State University, Charlie Freeman. Boys, what's going on? How are we doing today? Doing well. Giants are moving on. That's what I'm happy about. Yeah, I knew you'd be happy about that. And, you know, not not for the faint of heart that game in either team. I mean, talk about the Cowboys game. That game, was, you know, it gives me great uh, joy to let me know that there's another team with kicking problems out there <laughs> in the NFL rather than the Bears. But, uh, yeah, that, we'll talk about all about those games right now. Um you guys actually, what was the, um, did you guys hit the under? Cause I know your best bet yeah. were the under it was yeah, 45, we right? 
and a half. Oh, it yeah. closed at 45, but I know at the time of our show, I think it was closer to like 47 or something. It's 47, like 47 and a half. And a half I, yeah, I think but, that's what it was at at the time of but, the show. Either way, you know, if you get it, if you got that under at 45 and a half, you did cash that like, like Patrick and Charlie gave out. In my game, sadly, the Seattle Seahawks decided to play some football. So that game went to like 60 points or something like that, which sucks. But, you know, these we two got, guys. We got lucky. Yeah, well, lucky, but, you know, lucky is better than Brett good. Maher had the un- Brett Maher probably had the under, which really saved us. It actually hey, should have been close. Those extra points. No, it shouldn't have, granted, considering, you know, he missed four extra points. Yeah. <laughs> Dak Prescott is yelling on the sideline, go for two. It's it's absolutely hilarious, but Brent Maher had the under, so the boys cashed as well. And like I said, we hope all of you out there cashed as well. I mean, going through it, it's just, you know, I had my bet was San Francisco to cover and the under they did end up covering. But like I said, Geno Smith actually decided to throw the ball today against that good San Francisco defense. But then also uh, San Francisco legend Brock Purdy decided to throw some really good football as he has been doing. So, you know, and unlucky you win some, you lose some. I just suck. These two guys are good. Listen to them and not me. But other than that, I want to shout out. I shouted him out in the comments of the last video. But I want to give a huge shout out to our winner of the $50 contest, Eric Anderson. He still has not claimed his prize. Eric, if you're listening to this, please email me or Howard. Both emails are in the comment reply to your comment on the last video. So please, if you're out there, comment your prize by or comments or email us for your prize by Saturday. If it isn't in by Saturday, we will go to the next person, which will be Christos. So please, Eric, if you're listening, please email me or Howard. Howard is H Kravitz horse at gmail.com i am betting and boozing no g's and one n betting and boozing at gmail.com so please if you're listening claim your prize but without further ado guys after we talk about last week let's head into this week we have another massive week this week with the divisional round starting i know patrick's excited to get his team hopefully into the conference finals he's got a long way to go for that and we'll talk about that getting in here but you know, there's still a lot of good betting opportunities this week, so let's go into it here. The first game we're going to go over, of course, is the best game of the week, which is Cincinnati-Buffalo, which it would be – it's it obviously very interesting that it would come to this game after, you know, prayers up for DeMar Hamlin. Glad, you know, really glad he's doing well now. But that game was canceled, and then they end up meeting in the divisional round as well. So, Patrick, I'm going to go to you first and what you're kind of thinking on this game and what's your best bet of this game. You know, and you hit on it. My first train of thought is thinking, like, this game really should be in Cincinnati. But, you know, with everything that happened to DeMar Hamlin, you know, all the situations, it is what it is. But Cincinnati's they're upset about having to travel to Buffalo for this game. And I think that's what's going to pull them through in this one. I was just, you know, doing some research. And Cincinnati's 8-0 against the spread as an underdog in their last eight games. They're five-and-a-half-point dogs in Buffalo. Buffalo was putrid against Miami last week. They looked, you know, they were off of all different kinds. I think this is a good spot for Cincinnati. Now, I I wouldn't put this as my best bet, but I I think they're going to compete. Now, their offensive line is banged up. They're missing three starters. Uh, Buffalo, as we is well documented, they don't have Von Miller. He's been out most of the year. So this game could end up turning into a shootout, but I I think Cincinnati's the the better side. 
I agree. And like I said, it is really interesting because as Racing Downwind points out, and as you pointed out, Patrick, there is a lot of injuries on that old line for Cincinnati, which could easily sway this game, as we all know how good Buffalo's defense is. Granted, you know, they have guys like Von Miller still out, but that that defense is absolutely treacherous. And just to shout out a few comments here, Jim Pollard's Paul, it's time to wake up. I don't know where Paul is, Jim. We're still waiting, but uh the old man's got to wake up. I'm kidding, hot Paul. I'm kidding. But, you know, Jim Plars is giving you a little crap there. Racing downwind, as we just said. What's up? It's always boozing time over here on Betting and Boozing. I got I got three beers next to me, as I learned from last week, because, you know, you go through one in 20 minutes and you're sitting here like, what the hell? But, yeah, I got two beers next to me. Patrick, do you got anything next to you? Yes, I do. Of course he does. Ah, Bud Light, but it's okay. We'll give it to you. <laughs> always boozing over here. Emma, I want to give this is my uh, my girlfriend a huge shout out to her. It's her birthday today, so I wanted to give her a good shout out. And two years, yeah, it is two years. It's actually insane. Episode one for which hit that pick five hit by the way it was a sixty dollar hit for four hundred and forty dollars. So that's not a bad start for the HHH Racing Podcast. But yes, two years. Sean Kane, he's calling me Kylie. I don't I don't know how I feel about that one. But Sean, what's up? Cheers to you, my friend. Brad Anderson here for the boozing. We're always here for the boozing. Brad, thanks so much. I appreciate it. And then Jim Pilar is also, you know, he's Buffalo fan growing up in Buffalo. But I agree that since he might be the best bet of the week, Charlie, is that kind of the way you're thinking or are you going the other way? No, I'm going the complete other way. I think for me, this might end up being my best bet. I think this is easily the most straightforward and easy bet to read on the board. Um, I do want to give a stat here. I found that, uh, what is it? Give me one sec. I want to pull it back up. 67% of bets are on from the public are on Cincinnati, and yet the spread has moved two points in favor of Buffalo. Tells me all I need to know. When I was reading these lines, most of them were right around where I thought they would be, except for this one. I thought it was going to be Buffalo minus two, minus two and a half, and it's at five and a half. I think Vegas is begging you to take Cincinnati. I think a lot of people are going to be all over Cincinnati. It's going to be their best bet, and Vegas knows what they're doing. My grandpa taught me at a very young age, you see how beautiful all these casinos are. How do you think they keep the lights on? It's because people lose. So I think everybody's going to be on Cincinnati. I think it's the most obvious bet of the week, which is why I'm going Buffalo. Still think they're a great team. They're at home. I think this is their magical run. Picked them last year to win the Super Bowl. Picked them this year to win the Super Bowl. That is my, still my Super Bowl team. I know they didn't look great against the Dolphins, but anybody here who says that the Bengals looked good last week would be lying. They got bailed out in that game. Absolutely. They look terrible to me as far as I can tell. So, uh, yeah, I'm going with Buffalo minus five and a half. Or, yeah, nothing else fancy in that game. Going with the Bills, I think it is one of the more obvious picks because of how painfully obvious it seems it should be to take the Bengals. And, I mean, that's completely – that I love that you brought up the Vegas joke. That's always the greatest joke that goes around for gamblers is, you know, Vegas always wins. So, you know, especially with a lot of those bets going in on Cincinnati. I mean, look, I wouldn't be mad if Buffalo won, considering I have a future on Buffalo for full discretion here. But I – Look, Cincinnati with that offense really has a chance to take it to Buffalo. Granted, I don't think the run game is very good with Joe Mixon. No, no disrespect to Joe Mixon at all. But with those three O line guys out, especially, it's going to be hard to develop the run against the stout Buffalo defense. Oh God, it's it is. It, Charlie is right. It's really like one of those games that really tempts you to like your Bengals. Bengals Bills. This game's just like. Some in some people's eyes, it's even a toss up at this point because both teams are extremely good. I I don't know. I like I said, in my heart, Jim, I'm with Jim as well. It really hopes Charlie's right. I'm I really want, I really think Buffalo is going to win this game, but I don't know if I'm willing to take all those points. Maybe Buffalo by a late field goal, 
who knows but like i said for my future i will take that and howard howard says what's up guys missing that sports book background man he's getting on my ass all the time and doesn't leave me alone no i'm just kidding <laughs> We're back at Circa. That's what's up. Howard, thanks again. I appreciate it. Sorry about that. Now but... I'm jealous. Now, yeah. you know, now I yeah. wish I was there. Now, now, come yeah, on. Look Vegas... what he's doing to us. <laughs> but, but Vegas always wins. So, if, you know, what if, what if we do better sitting, sitting here? But um, I agree with Racing Downwind here, though. That last, last week from Josh Allen was definitely shaky, to say the least. Definitely has to stop turning the ball, especially in the red zone as well. You know, in the Bengals, I mean, talk about turnovers in the red zone. We didn't even talk about that last week when Huntley went to take a ball over the top and just absolutely fumbled the ball. And the Cincinnati kid runs it all the way back 99 yards for the touchdown. And that's how they win the game. So I agree with Charlie brings up a good point as well. You know, that Bengals weren't dominant in that game by any means. So, you know, the game like this, people could say, you know, Cincinnati's great. They looked really good this year. You know, obviously at the end of the season, they made a massive run after starting off the season pretty slow, but you know, I do, I can see def, I definitely can see the other side as well to that. And Matt Miller says some games are more for the booze than the bet. <laughs> I, I agree with Matt. I definitely yeah. agree with Matt. Just and this game, this game's definitely going to be fun to watch no matter what, you know, whether you're betting on the game or not, as your as a football fan, this game's going to be fun. So I definitely, definitely agree with that. Let's move on to the next one, guys. Let's go Jacksonville, Kansas City. Kansas City by eight and a half is the spread. Jacksonville's plus 350 on the money line. While Cincinnati's minus 450 with an over under 52 and a half, which I, you know, granted, both defenses definitely can struggle at times. 52 and a half is, is the highest one we've seen so far in these playoffs. Charlie, yeah. is that kind of what you're thinking as well? Yeah. So, me, actually, for me, when we get, obviously, we'll finish when we get through all these games. I have two games where I really just wanted to keep it simple and go, <clears throat> go with just a spread bet. But uh, this is actually one of the games where my pick is a teaser. I actually like uh, – I would do a three-point teaser of the Jaguars and the under. I just think the Jaguars at 11.5 feels a lot safer. Um, and then I feel like an over-under on me – when I looked, it was 53. Obviously, 52.5 doesn't make too big of a difference. But I think regardless, 55.5 or 56, doing a same-game parlay teaser of the Jaguars on the points and the under feels like a really good bet to me that you could get good value. Um, obviously, I was rooting for the Chargers. They were my long-shot pick. Um could not believe that collapse. I'm very relieved that I ended up because I said on the show last week that my yeah. heart wanted to give out the Chargers as my best bet, but I went with my brain and went with the under. Thank God I did. I will say, though, I think what happened with the Chargers was the best thing that could have happened for that organization. I think Joe Lombardi is the worst coach in NFL history in terms of like any position. He was the Saints QB coach for his whole career, which essentially means he does nothing because you have Drew Brees and Sean Payton running the offense. So he doesn't do anything. And then after that, he went to Detroit and he was terrible. And then the Chargers picked him up anyway for reasons I can't understand. I do believe in Staley. I just think he can't run an offense. He's a defensive guy. Their defense was banged up. But sorry, this is about the Jaguars. I just had to get that rant out of the way. Um, no. But for the Jaguars, you still have to give them credit. Doug Peterson's an incredible coach to make all those adjustments. The defense honestly played well all game, in my opinion. I just think when you have four turnovers that early and you have to keep going right back on the field against a good Chargers offense, it's very hard to hold up. Like, it's just unrealistic standards. And I think that's another reason why the under is so intriguing to me is I think that that Chargers-Jaguars game is blown out of proportion for how high scoring it was because, again, it was a lot more of, like, the Chargers scored a ton early because of turnovers then the Jaguars figured it out, and, like, the game really slowed down. So I think this game will end up being, like, a game in, like, the mid to low 20s. And I do think this is a game where the Jags will always keep it close. And, like, maybe Kansas City gets it up to, like, that tennis area, but I see the Jaguars maybe even getting a garbage-time score to just stay within the number. And, again, with the teaser that I'm putting out, I really like the uh, three-point teaser on the Jags and the other. 
I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely close, you know, a lot more, a lot safer in that regard. And, you know, you bring up the teaser a little bit on the over or the under, and then you bring up the teaser on the plus. It's definitely, I definitely like that. And like I said, especially if you're doing a type of parlay, it can definitely bring some value to for sure. And yeah, I, that's the one I even talk about. Trevor Lawrence threw four picks last week and he was able to rally back against that. You know, like I said, and that's the thing that gets blown out of proportion. You know, why do you think the Chargers went up 27 to zero in the first half through, you know, Trevor Lawrence literally throwing to the guys not in his color, literally. So, I, yeah, I can definitely see that. I just think Kansas City is way too much for this team, in my opinion. Patrick, is that kind of how you saw it? Or are you willing to bring up the teaser as well with Charlie down there? So, you know, I hate to say it, but my best bet may be on this game and it may be the complete opposite of what Charlie was saying. Uh, I see this game as both defenses are not going to be able to stop each other. Lawrence got off to a terrible start against the chargers. You know, we all saw that. I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's going to show his true talents like he did in the second half of that game. And he's going to sling it across the field. Um, They're not going to be able to stop Kansas city. I just don't see their defense and their secondary being able to do that. So this game, is going to turn into a shootout, I believe. I think they're telling you to take the under. I mean, you see 52 and a half, and you look at, you look at all the uh, over-unders for the rest, and they're four or five points lower. This game is, you know, one or two turnovers, and uh, Kansas City returns those, you know, they score instead of kicking field goals like the Chargers did for most of them. I, I, I could see Kansas City putting up 40 points in this game easy. Yeah, and just to bring it up, this is what happened in Week 10 between Kansas City and Jacksonville. Granted, you know, Trevor Lawrence throwing for two touchdowns and Patrick Mahomes throwing for four. I mean, yeah, I agree with you, Patrick. It just seems like that game, and, and Jim Pilar is just to bring it up, Jacksonville struggled to beat Joshua Dobbs in the final week of the season just to get into the playoffs, and we're down really early 27-0. to Granted, a lot of it is, in my opinion, is due to Trevor Lawrence, again, throwing to the guys not in his color, but – I yeah the teams on the bye this week I feel like this is going to be a very common theme for me is teams on the bye this week just seem really tough in these spots and granted Patrick's not going to like that when I bring up Giants Philadelphia but we'll get to that when we get there don't worry I'll make a case against the Eagles off the bye (laughs) hey I mean like I said I know I knew you were going to bring it so honestly let's go to it right now let's go uh, New New York Giants Philadelphia Philadelphia minus Seven and a half on the spreads so with just over a touchdown and a Brent Mayer missed field, uh, kicked field goal. New York Giants plus 290, Philadelphia minus 360. Your overner sits at 48 and a half. Patrick, we're going to go to you first on this one just because you're going to bring some heat, hopefully, against the Philadelphia Eagles. All right. First, I'm going to throw out a stat and then we could talk. Giants are 11 and 2 against the spread as an underdog this season. They're going into Philadelphia 0 and 2 against the Eagles this season. Game one, week 14, was an absolute rout. 48-22 game was over at the end of the first quarter. Last week of the season, close game. Giants did not play a single starter. Um, they kept it close. They made the Eagles keep their starters out there for the whole game. Jalen Hurts was evidently banged up, and it was obvious. Um, he's had two weeks to get healed up. He was off the injury report. I get that. I still don't believe he's fully healthy. This Giants defense is playing – top-notch in the NFL right now. I mean, they held Justin Jefferson to 43 yards. I mean, and he did it all in the first quarter. It was tremendous what Wink Martindale's being able to do. Um, 
you know, I'm not telling you the Giants are going to win this game. When you look at the talent from the roster standpoints, it's evident the, the Eagles are better. But I think they keep it close, and I think it's a one-score game in going into the fourth, and it's, you know, coin toss. And, um, you know, I will be in attendance, by the way. I forgot to well, tell you, you. I'm going oh, to the wow. game. I'm traveling, I'm traveling south for it. So I, I think it's going to be close. Um, and I think the Giants' defense, if they hold up, they're fully healthy. And they got a shot. And, you know, like I said to you guys last week, you know, getting Xavier McKinney and Dory Jackson back, it was so evident. Yeah. So I think it should be a good one. Not to mention Daniel Jones through, you know, like he was Peyton Manning for half the game. So, yeah, um, it's I mean, hey, I'm sure you'll want to keep it close, especially if you're in attendance. Yeah. Again, this is that game where, again, it's almost like the Cowboys game last week where if. It's either going to be extremely close down to the wire again, or it's going to be like the Cowboys did. The I don't think, don't get me wrong, I don't think the Giants are as bad as Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay was horrible last yeah. week. That's Let's not sugarcoat that. They were absolutely awful. They, they Again, the guy missed four, few, more, four, extra, kind of four extra points, but, I mean, they didn't put up a score until, what, the third quarter? Like, yeah. they were they were awful. So I'm not saying the Giants are as bad as a team as that. But again, this just seems like one of those games that it's either going to come right down to the wire or it'll be over in the first quarter, like Patrick said. Because, I mean, if you go here, like I said, you get 10 nothing, 16 nothing at half against a good Eagles team. It definitely is going to be hard. And again, this was in week 18. So obviously, Jalen Hurts was hurt. Can't get down. Can't get down too much. Yeah, exactly. And look, I mean, look who the Giants played at quarterback. So. Again, that's a week 18, as we all know, the last week's always hard to base stuff off of, but that's the way it seems to me. Charlie, is that kind of what you're thinking, or where are you going? So this is the other game, actually, where I wanted to give out a teaser pick, and it's actually, for the first part, it's the same, the second part's different. So I would give out um, a parlay, same game parlay, three-point teaser of uh, the Giants to plus 10.5, and, and then the over, I would actually get it to where it'd be at 45.5. Um, and so the reason that I like this is, number one, I, again, kind of like what I was saying with the Jaguars game, I feel like this game will stay relatively close, even if it has to be the – I think the Giants could even potentially pull off the upset. But, like, let's say, again, there is a situation, maybe they're down 13 or 16 late in the game. I think they would still at worst be able to get a late-game garbage time score to get within the 10-and-a-half in that teaser. And then, again, I feel like at 45-and-a-half will go over. And I know I mentioned earlier, like, the stuff where you look at the money – but what I like this time, right, is in the Bills game, the money was against them for the public and the spread move. Now, here, the game opened at 46. It's at 48 and a half, and 70% of the money is on the over. So even though most people are betting it, for it to move two and a half points, that also means big money is on this thing. So and versus the spread, there wasn't much of it. So that's how I ended up leaning with going the teaser route for this one. Uh, but one thing I did just want to note real quick, though, with the Kansas City game, just that I thought was interesting, is the spread didn't move, even though 60% of bets are on Kansas City, and it feels like Kansas City is so obvious that they'll blow them out. So... Just want to put that little hint in. I'm trying to like mix in those, like looking at the uh, yeah. public stuff because I know Patrick's been bringing in some great stats too. But uh, yeah, no, for this game, that would be my bet. I would go with the uh, three point teaser, same game parlay of the Giants plus 10 and a half and over 50, uh, 45 and a half. I mean, look, like I said, I, I was, you're talking about the same thing I was. It's kind of just like this game either goes, you know, down to the wire where it's just absolutely firing off. Daniel Jones is Peyton Manning and Jalen Hurts turns into Michael Vick, but. You know, just stuff like that. I mean, the stats are great. You know, keep them coming, boys, because this is why they pay you the big bucks is when, you know, when you start bringing in these stats like this. And when we get the horse racing, that's where the time is to shine as well. But Jim Pilar's again, this is a Patrick. This is a question for you, Patrick. But 
Patrick, your heart says New York Giants, but doesn't your brain really tell you Philly? But you were just making a case against them as well. Yeah, see, p- people have said that to me, you know, today and stuff, you know, at school. My brain really doesn't tell me Philly right now, and I don't know why. Like, I don't know what it is. I, you know, I'm a giant, huge Giant fan, diehard fan, but, I mean, Philly's in a tough spot. Off the bye, they've limp- they're limping into the playoffs, like, you, I could tell there's something going on. Like, I think it's going to be a good game. Like, it's crazy to me, but I do think so. No, I mean, hey, that might just be your East Coast bias talking. But, hey, I mean, I can, de- you know, you can definitely make a case for the game being close. And Jim Plars brings up another great point. Jim, thanks for all the comments. I really appreciate it. If you are in the show and you want to put in your two cents, please comment in the live chat. We'd love to talk about your opinions and base them off of our own. Jim Plar says, you know, are we getting too excited about Giant the Giants beating Minnesota, which Pat, which Charlie, again, correct from last week, abs- they're horrible. <laughs> they're not good. We all know that. And, I mean, my friend texted me after the game, the guy, same guy I went to the Bears game with uh, in week 18. He said, I told you, they suck. <laughs> so, I mean, they just weren't good. But, yes, I do agree that people can make that case where, you know, the Giants beat Minnesota. They were 12 and four. But as we pointed out last week, I mean, that was actually their first loss in one score games yeah. ended up being that game. 11 and so, 0, 11 yep. and 0, one score games into that. Yeah. Into that with a negative point differential, as we pointed out last week. So yes, I can, I Jim, you can definitely make that point where, you know, these get the, a lot of people are getting hype, especially with those big, uh, point numbers with the spread, you know, seven and a half, Charlie's teasing up to 10 and a half, you know, if the giants just keep, you know, keep it anywhere close. You think that they can cover that 10 and a half. So, but Jim, that is a good point. I do agree with that guys. Let's go on to the last one here. So then after we, that, we can move on to horse racing. It is Dallas, San Francisco. This is the game that really surprised me where Dallas is San Francisco. Granted they're in there in San Francisco, and San Francisco is only favored by three and a half morning line to Dallas is plus one fifty four. San Francisco is minus one eighty four and the over under is forty five and a half. Charlie, we're starting with you on this one. Where's your head yeah. at with this one? Yeah. So for this one, I'm going to go with the Cowboys. They, they, they very much so impressed me. Um, I can't lie. Last weekend ended up being even though the Chargers lost that hurt. It was a very enjoyable weekend. Um, I actually wanted to make my best bet Giants money line. But since I didn't give them out during the things. I couldn't do that. So happy to see the most fraudulent team in NFL history fall flat on their face at home. Really did. Wanted to get my, like, tiny violin to play out for them. Uh, but, so, yeah, I guess why it's tough. But, like, I just want to hit real quick on what Patrick was saying. The Eagles definitely limped in. Even though I'm from Chicago, also being a Saints fan as well. Like, I know they had Gardner Minshew, but they lost to a terrible Saints team at home. So, I think the Giants honestly could even play. I think the NFC is a disaster. I don't think anybody from the NFC can win at all. But, uh, yeah, but sorry, going back to this game, yeah, I am going to go with the Cowboys. I um, Again, I feel like this is a game where Vegas is begging you to take the 49ers as good as the Cowboys look because I think it's very easy to be like, look, I know it's Tom Brady, but everybody knew that Buccaneers team was fraudulent. Everybody knew, at least in my opinion, I don't even think they were the best team in the NFC South on paper outside of the quarterback position. Um, I think the fact that they got destroyed honestly wasn't a surprise to me. I just didn't want to risk betting against Tom Brady, but I think that team is terrible. I don't think it's enough for me to necessarily say, okay, Dallas is going to go in and beat the legend that is Brock Purdy on the road. But I don't know how to describe it. I just feel like this is going to be one of those games that comes down to a late field goal. Now, granted, if it's the Cowboys who need to make it, then the 49ers are probably set because we know Brett Maher is not going to make it. Um, but that being said, I like betting the football number here. I think this is going to be a three-point game either way. Um, I think it's going to be very close. Going to take the football number. Going to lean with the Cowboys plus three and a half. 
Look, man, I I definitely see it. Patrick, how are you seeing it? Is that kind of what you thought as well? You know, the Cowboys beating the Bucks was their first road win in 30 years in the playoffs. And when I heard that, that was mind-boggling to me, considering the history of the Cowboys. Uh, I just think San Francisco is a different animal. Um, they're the top team in the NFC, in my opinion. Um, I Dallas is coming in hot. You know, they're confident after that win. But we all know how what Tampa was. I think San Francisco hits them smack in the face and just drowns them. I, like, I don't think it's that close. It's just one of those games where it's like everything was going right for Dallas against Tampa Bay. They knew, you know, that I was reading stuff on Twitter. They knew plays, you know, like they, they knew everything that was going on in that game. I think Kyle Shanahan knows what he's got in store for this game, and he's just going to pound Dallas to the ground in this one. Yeah, look, I'm going to give out my best bet early here, and I know that's against the rules of the podcast, but we're going with it. I think San Francisco wallops in this game. I really do. Patrick took the words right out of my mouth with that road win and the first road win in 30 years. Look, we all know, again, we know Dallas is good. We know they're, sorry, I shouldn't say good. They're decent. But I, like Patrick said, I think this is a completely different animal. That defense is miles better than that Tampa Bay defense. I, I personally think it's going to be by at least a touchdown. Granted, you can make the point that Charlie said we're, you know, Vegas is begging you to take this line that it's so low that like when I looked at it, I was like, that's really that low, really? But that's going to be my best bet of the week. I I just I just don't see Dallas coming within a field goal of San Francisco. But again, yeah, I do. Oh, sorry. it could happen. Charlie, I know I you say, do. You want to say yeah, something? I do, have a, I do have a stat that I wanted to bring up, and this kind of ties into the Buffalo game as well. I'll be honest. I, I don't, I'm going to have to end up picking my best bet on the spot. It's going to be between the two that are Vegas begging you. Because the stat I wanted to bring out, 70% of the public bets are on San Francisco, but the spread has moved a point in favor of Dallas. So, I mean, like I said, just like just like the um, Bills game, another game where you're looking at it and it looks so obvious that the spread should be a different number. But those Vegas guys know what they're doing. They're sitting in their dark rooms with their no-life lives, spending hours running simulations and making these spreads. Anytime something seems too good to be true, too obvious it should be this or that, you're probably in trouble because most people are going to think the exact same way. Most people are going to look and be like, oh, 49ers at home, dominant defense, Cowboys beat uh, the most fraudulent team, not named the Minnesota Vikings. Give me those points. The Bengals game. Bengals, you know, like played the Bills earlier. They were up early before the tragic event that occurred. And like this Bills team has looked fraudulent. Give me that five and a half. That's the thing. When you find those games that are too obvious, those tend to be the ones that you need to take advantage and go the other way. That's completely true. And like I said, I I just can't, I can't trust Dallas. I never can. Again, it might be a flaw of mine, but I I just can't do it. I'm sorry, Dallas fans. Your go if you ever watch this. I hate Dallas, but anyway, that's my best friend. He's like he's a massive Dallas. America's fan. team. Come on, Kyle. Yeah, America's, America's, team. America's team. Yeah, fuck off. I'm not America's <laughs> team. All right, but anyway, racing downwind. I mean, thirteen to one is a good price for a team like San Francisco because that's a team where even with the monster legend himself, Brock Purdy. I mean, he's showed out that like, there's no doubt about that. There's no respect taken away from what Brock Purdy has done. Stepping into that role. Mr. That, Irrelevant. Yeah. Right. Last pick in the draft. But I mean, dude, he's absolutely taking it in stride. 13 to one's a great price, especially if you can get past this team. I mean, this game, if you get past this game, I mean, you know, you face, uh, what's it called? I can't even, why can I think of that? You face either Philadelphia or New York. Obviously Philadelphia is going to be a test, but again, that's a, 
that's a different animal. I think San Francisco win that game as well, especially if they stop Jalen Hurts running all the running all around the place. But again, that's thirteen to one's a good price on that. And then Jim Pilars says, not sure who will win, but the NFL screwed the Cowboys. San Francisco played at home and was done by four p.m. Saturday. They arrived road Monday night and arrived at three a.m. So that's also a point too that you know you see these teams that take this massive travel leap, and you know. It's always, like you said, like that Monday night team that goes and plays on Thursday night football in the regular season. It's that same type of thing where, you know, they have a mon- like a way less rest than the other team does, especially like one time they did it like Monday night and then the other team had a bye. I forgot what that was, but like a team had a bye into Thursday night and this team had two days rest to get there. It's that type of stuff. Like I said, with the playoffs, it makes a little I don't know how much of a difference it makes, but that's definitely a good point to bring up. Jim, I appreciate that. Matt Miller says he agrees. He considered a few plays with them, given more and more points. Started two and a half. Yeah, I mean, you could always tease it up, especially in a game like this where even though Charlie says, you know, Vegas is begging you to take that. I mean, if you think San Francisco is going to win by a lot in this game just because you don't think you think the Cowboys are fraudulent or you think they're whatever, you can easily tease up stuff in your sports book and, you know, take six and a half. It's probably going to be plus what, 160 or something like that, plus 170. And, you know, you can go up from there if you want to even go more, you know. But Matt Miller's saying is actually a really good point. Since they're higher odds, what you could do is you take them two and a half for a big sum. You take them six and a half by a middle sum. And you take them at a monster price for, you know, your lowest sum. And that way you can kind of tear it up to be able to make them. And, you know, if they win 14 by 14, you're cashing, you're raking all that in. So that's actually a really good betting strategy courtesy of a horse racing betting strategist himself, Matt Miller. So, Matt, greatly appreciate the comment. Thanks. Tom Espinoza. Tom, welcome to the show. Greatly appreciate it. 49ers win by at least 10. Only Kavanaugh is hoping Purdy doesn't have a 260. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, but Purdy, even, I mean, granted, you know, last week he played a, a worse team, but I think he played extremely well last week. Again, San Francisco legend Brock Purdy, but I don't know. I just think San Francisco romps in this game. I know Charlie thinks otherwise, but that's kind of my thinking. So we'll see what happens from there. We'll obviously check back in next week to see how exactly we did on these guys. Thanks so much for everyone's comments for the sports section of the show. I greatly appreciate it. Guys, let's switch over. We're going to go to the horse racing section. We are going to look at the last four races at Gulfstream Park for the bet known as the pick four, where you're picking the winners of the last four races in a row. It is going to be races six through nine at Gulfstream Park, which again is very nice. So let's go take a look at race six. I'm going to bring us up on screen right now. It is a claiming race, which is of course naturally, but it is a $50,000 claiming race where you can buy the horse for 50 or 40,000. It is a nice field of 10 going into this race for $44,000 in the purse as I bring up the picks for better or for worse boys. This is the first time they're seeing the picks. Only I've seen everybody's picks for better or for worse. We all go with the number seven, who is also the morning Toss line favorite. Toss it. <laughs> Eight-year-old favorite for us. Therapist <laughs> for Saez and Mar- uh, and Drexler. Let's take a look. Char- uh, Patrick, I'm going to let you talk about him first. What did you see on this horse and what do you kind of like with Therapist? Well, I remember Therapist um, a year ago with uh, Christophe Clamont, the you know the big trainer in New York, good turf trainer. Um, this horse was running in big, big races, um, and I I just think that you know he's like the old reliable, like you're going you know what you're getting. Um, one last time out on this course, uh, 
this is a tough field. You know, he has the distance. The pace should set up for him. He's run some good workouts. Um, so he's on top. But the nine, I you know, I feel strong about the nine as well. So uh, on my pick fourth ticket, as we'll show later on, I, I play with the nine as well. Yeah, and I mean, the thing is, my biggest thing, I'm sure Charlie can touch on it as well, my biggest thing was the pace setup in this race. You got horses like the three and the four that that are you see all these ones at the beginning of their form. They're just going to gun it straight for the lead for the three. It's it has to go. The four has to go. And the which one is it? The five. Yeah, the five also has twos close up and three. So, you know, that horse is going to be trying for the lead, too. I completely agree with Patrick in this spot where, you know, I think the pace really sets up for this horse. Charlie, is that kind of what you're thinking too with the seven? Yeah, I love the seven. I uh, I was thinking about single in this horse. And then I was like, you know what? I'm not as brave as Patrick to go with the first leg starting with one horse, even though it worked for him. I'm not that brave, but uh, you know, I, I love everything about this horse. Love that. It's got Luis Saez on him. Love that last effort. The fact that it, you know, it did start pretty far back. Um, if you look at the notes, it got bumped and had to be studied and still was able to finish. And I just truly feel like with knowing kind of something I know we've talked about in the past where, you know, some horse might have a win, but you look and the race went exactly how it wanted to. This horse was honestly the opposite. It got a disaster trip. It was its first time back since I know like November is not a long break, but it's not like it had been routinely running. And again, it still ran a great race. And I truly just feel like also like, you know, you can see where it shows the time form with the late pace. I love that it's got a 99, I believe it says, yeah, for the late. So it'll be coming on late when there's all that speed. I just think if this horse runs anything like its last race, I think it dominate, dominates this field. I think it really is a one-horse race. That's actually, I mean, if you look at these back numbers here, like the on all these stakes races, which are miles better than what it, this horse is racing in today, I mean, this horse is running really good races against horses like Scuttlebuzz. Uh, for the legend Smokin' Jay, one of my horses, that's that division. Uh, I mean, some like it hot brown, arrest me red city, man. Like the horses that this, that this horse is, or the, the horses that this horse, that, oh, that was hard to say that this horse has raced against in previous races. Just, I mean, and a horse, a horse, like even Scuttlebuzz, who's really fallen off form. This horse would be fucking ridiculous in this spot. So I completely agree with the seven Patrick. You talked about your nine, Charlie, you want to talk about the two a little bit, and then we'll kind of touch on a little bit more and move on. Yeah, for sure. So the reason I ended up landing on the uh, two horse and the one horse is like my horses that I put under is basically because of exactly what you mentioned. Now, for me, I've always been more of a closer stalker kind of guy. I don't really love speed horses, especially when it's a longer race. But all I kept seeing was just horses whose position was one, 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 two or one, 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 six, whatever. So I just see that it's race with a lot, a lot, a lot of pace. And I feel like those closers and stalkers are going to really benefit from it. I think they're going to tire each other out and it's going to set up perfectly for them. And I really do think you can get a decent price underneath. I believe when I looked at the odds, yeah, the one is 20 to one opening and the two is eight to one. So I just think it's a really good opportunity with the seven who's going to open at five to two. And I think he'll end up getting bet down to like two to one, nine to five, eight to five ish. So I think those are two great horses you consider putting under that could really help you get a payout if you don't want to end up having to put a ton of money on the seven to make anything. But yeah, I just really like the effort. Um, I like Edgar Perez as well. I think he can be an aggressive jockey and can do a good job to make sure this horse and border town isn't sitting too far back, but enough back that it can take advantage of when that pace eventually falls apart at the end. And I think he can get in there in the exactas. I mean, this is, this is clearly the indicative angle right here is, you know, yeah. these time forms, these time form us pace figures mean that how, 
much speed this horse has early in the race and late in the race. So this horse is not going to be very fast early with only a 47, which to my understanding, I think is the lowest in the field. And then you look at the late time form, it's got 115. So this horse is going to be absolutely flying late. So if the pace does falls apart, this is a good horse to have in there as well. And I mean, Patrick, you have the five life fury. I mean, for Ronald Spatz and Don or and Don, where did the Don come from? Jose Ortiz. <laughs> wow. Um, I mean, like I said, this horse is going to be a little bit closer to this pace duel, but it looks to be, if it stays around, it could definitely catch a piece. Yeah. My, my ankle here was, I don't know if he's going to be able to get the distance, but I, he can't go to the lead cause he's, he's not going to be able to, you know, withstand that pace. If he sits off the pace, he couldn't make a run. His late figures aren't too bad. So he could make a run. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, just to touch on a little bit here, Howard loves it that, you know, taking an old gazer, an old eight-year-old, but then Brad chimes in and says, since Paul's not here, he's got to stand up for us old gazers. It's a key angle. I mean, look, these horses, I mean, we all know these claimers are not the best in the world here, but it's it's really just about this pace angle for me. And Matthew Chamorro, Matt, thanks for joining the show. I greatly appreciate it. The Mega City will be dangerous to clear them the lead. That's the four horse that I have in third. It's just, it's really just these two efforts for me that really doesn't make me want to put this horse on top. He comes back from a little bit of a layoff, granted, and absolutely much harder spots than this one. But that's what really turned me off of this horse. Granted, could definitely, if he clears for sure, but there just seems to be a, a lot of other speed in this race. And these two efforts for me are, are not enough for me to put this horse near my top. Um, you know, I mean, these numbers back here in this allowance race, even in this tur- in the Turf Classic at Lone Star, I mean, the Texas Turf Classic, I mean, he won that race with a 96, but then he all of a sudden he comes back in a restricted uh, Kentucky bread steak, which is what the R means. Gret gets 10th, comes back in allowance at Keeneland. Granted, again, very hard spot in those allowances. Gets 8th, but then they drop him all of a sudden for 50 off of a two-month layoff or three-month layoff even. I, I just can't. It's not for me, but Matt, I completely get what you're saying. And Jim Pillars brings up a really good point that betting an eight-year-old coming off its first win in two years at short at a short price is definitely a hard sell. I get it. I completely get it. But Jim, my just think my thinking in this race is that pace setup. But that's completely, completely out. Uh, I completely agree with you. Let's move on to the next race, guys. Let's go to race seven here, which is the let's go here. Sorry, I gotta click all the buttons, move it over a race. Here we go. It is in my opinion the best race on the card in terms of horse flesh. It is an allowance optional claiming for $25,000 with a purse of 86,000. It is a morning line. Favorite is the number three strong quality, actually a little bit less than I thought at three to one. But as I put up the banner here, you can see again, we all are going with the number three strong quality. Charlie, I'm going to let you talk here first. What do you kind of what do you think of a strong quality here as this horse is going to be out on the lead for Mark Cassie and Irad Ortiz? Yeah, so kind of how I mentioned in the last race, you know, sounds like I'm kind of going against myself and being a hypocrite saying that I don't like speed in long races, and yet here we are going a mile, and I'm taking a horse that only wants to go to the lead. But, uh, I mean, I love everything about this horse. Obviously, it's not a cheap one if you look at the price on it. They paid a good amount of money for this horse. Love that Irad's on it, but uh, I always have certain exceptions, and the reality is, you have Mark Cassie, great trainer. You have Irad on the horse. A very good workout in five furlongs in a minute is a bullet workout. 
And then again, this horse has been running against very strong competition and has gone farther distances and has been able to go the whole way. I really don't think it'll be a problem. I think Irad, the speed figures are great. I think he's going to get him right out there. And even if you look at the uh, figures, obviously 120 for a time form early pace is incredible. But the 76 late is still very solid. So, like, this horse doesn't die. It's not one of those horses, you know, where you see first, 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 and then, like, fifth by eight lengths or whatever. It stays mm -hmm. up there. I just think this horse gets to the front and no one can keep up with it. And I, I think he ends up winning it wire to wire. I completely get it. And Pat, uh, Patrick, I'm going to let you talk before I kind of chime in here. There's a few things I like on this horse coming off of the mile and a quarter race all the way back to a mile. Yeah. Um, I think this distance, you know, hits this horse straight in the face. Um, he's been, you know, fluctuating between distances and his last time he ran a mile at Saratoga, um, the pace wasn't all that quick and he got out to an early lead and he lost, he lost pretty much by a nose. So I, I just, I think I like this horse to get to the lead and just pretty much say, catch me if you can. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And I'm going to put us full screen for here. Actually I'm not. Cause I gotta, I have the, I'm going to highlight some stuff here. There's a few things why I really like this horse in this spot coming back from a mile and a quarter where this horse easily could run for days this horse if you watch the replay we're not going to watch the replay here but it is a really good one to watch if you look at the replay he's coming down the stretch in front he's going along very well and this horse just drifts slowly and steadily out into the center of the track loses a decent amount of distance drifting over and lose ends up losing by just over a head i mean look this horse could not get the distance it's, it could be better longer but this horse won. I mean, this horse got second to uh, horse no burn and an allowance at Saratoga. I mean, the blinkers on is another big thing for me here is in this spot. A horse can really benefit when turning back in distance. A horse can really benefit from putting blinkers on, which keeps the horse really focused down. And if it keeps him focused and gets him out there even faster than he has been. I'm assuming that's why Cassie's doing it is because since he's going shorter, you have to be a little bit faster against these sprint horses. But I think this horse could be really dangerous in this spot. And guys, we're just going to kind of touch on since we both had, since we all had the same horse on top, we're going to touch on just a few of uh, our back horses really quickly. Charlie, you and I both have the number two in second for Ian Wilkson, shutter Julian Leperu. So yeah, I got another one that certainly wasn't a cheap horse to get. Um, again, the workouts was the first thing that stuck out to me. Ridiculous. Again, five furlongs in a minute, but then 59 flat for five furlongs is, is again, just absurd. This horse is working very forwardly. And I like that if you look in the comments in its last race, again, a strong field, 88 speed figure, way off the pace, having to try to go six wide is basically impossible. I mean, that's just a brutal, brutal trip. And it was its first race back off a long layoff. I think it has a big chance to step forward. Um, honestly, I mean, I think the three should win this race, but I think if there's someone that could really give that horse trouble, it is the two. It's been in good competition. Again, it's the second one off the layoff, so it should take another step forward. Um, and again, it's tripping its last race was just terrible. Having to go six wide is, again, like impossible. I think it's going to get a much better trip. I, I don't think it'll have to worry about going six wide. And I do think this could be one, even though I don't see why the three would run out of gas. If for whatever reason it did, I think this could be a race where the two will be sitting a little bit behind those guys and could very well, worst case, get the exactos. But at six to one, I also think that's a great price on this horse. I do not think this is a six to one horse. Yeah, I mean, I completely get it. And like I said, you know, this is going to be one of those horses that if the pace does really heat up early with the three going out, this could be a beneficiary, which is why I threw him in second as well. Patrick, you have the 10 and then I'm gonna let you talk about the seven and we'll move on to the next race.
Yeah, so for the 10, I, I think the distance, you know, might be a question. Uh, two races back at Aqueduct, the horse ran that distance, didn't run all that well. Granted, faced early voting, and we all know early voting voting ended up winning the Preakness. Um, one last time out at Gulfstream in a solid race, came from off the pace. I, you know, Bill, big fan of uh, Bill Mott, the trainer, owned by Godolphin, which we know you know, is a big, big ownership. So I think the source should be ready to go. Um, Billy Mott's got great numbers and junior Alvarado's a decent jockey to have on board. Yeah. And then, like I said, the only thing that scared me about this horse is the distance, like you said, and um, it is coming off a massive layoff and granted Bill Mott has really good numbers. And I mean, ghost sappers can run on anything but i'm on any type of dirt that is of course but the the layoff is the thing that scares me and the little bit of the distance combined that's what a little bit turned me off but hey this could be another race like i said if this pace heats up you're looking for someone either underneath or on top the 10 at 10 to 1 is definitely not a bad wrap and then patrick i'll let you talk about the seven a little bit as we both have it in third desert ruler for Lionel race and enrique amato yeah so there's two things i like about the source has never left Gulfstream, so was going to know the track. And two, his last race, he got off to a bad break. You know, he didn't get off to a good start. So this horse should be able to bounce back. Um, I, I don't know, you know, if the horse is going to be able to compete against some of these horses, but I, I like him to hit the board. Yeah, and like I said, this is another one where you see it has a little, it has a pretty good early time form, but it has a really good late time form as well. So you know this horse is going to be towards that middle of the pack and to be able to pounce if the speed doesn't necessarily fall apart completely to where they all just completely back up. But if they stay there, this horse could be that horse that could get the first jump on the horses coming all the way from the back. So I, that's why I liked him in third. I don't know if he's good enough to beat a horse like the three. But that's the way we're going. And I know Howard brings up a point where, you know, the weight of these horses are massive now that we all have them on top. And now they're all going to come last because we all jinxed them. But, you know, that's just the way it goes around here. And how and Jim, Jim, you know, this is the podcast that I host. What do you think I'm going to pick? I'm always going to pick the chalk. You know that you've been a fan forever. But that's yeah, the chalk dust definitely gets out there. But hey, when you play it for two, three times, that chalk doesn't seem that bad. And Matthew Chimura, again, Milliken is strong second against reinvestment risk when reinvestment risk is real good. That's another thing that I noticed as you go down. And this horse was even this horse was favored against reinvestment risk. Granted, lost by three. But again, that just shows you the type of horses that this uh, horse has faced and he's been bet against as well. So that's another great point, Matt. I appreciate the comment. Thanks so much. Guys, let's move on to the second to last race here. Race eight. It is. Let's see. Let me bring it up. It is, I believe it's another claiming race, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's, this is this one for me was the spread race. It's claiming 20, 20 to 16,000 for 28,000 purse. The favorite is the number eight or number two. I'm, I apologize. Three to one for Jose Ortiz and Patrick and Patrick Biancone. Yeah. For, and you can look now. Now we're all over the board and none of us. Have the morning light had the favorite even in the money. Just let that settle in that none of us have the favorite in the money. Patrick, we're going to you first. You like the number five, true blue pearl at eight to one for Jeremiah O'Dwyer and Junior Alvarado. I think it's a bad thing. None of us are betting on uh, Andy being cone source. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, no, with this, uh, the five, um, I, I, the one angle I liked with the, uh, with true blue Pearl was the blinkers going on this horse. The trainer has great numbers putting the blinkers on blinkers off this horse. Uh, sorry. Yes, blinkers off fine. blinkers You're off I'm, uh, blinkers off. Um, and in a bounce back performance in a wide open field, I'm going to take a shot, you know, I, yeah, I, I, but, you know, I, I just I had nothing, you know, I'm going to play d- a deep ticket in this race, but I like the five on top. Yeah, I mean, to eight to one is a great price to have. And this is the race to catch a price like this, in my opinion. This is going to be the complete spread race for me, Patrick. I know we'll get to your ticket later, but it is the spread race for you as well. This this you can just go so many different ways in this race. This is going to be another episode of that last race at Gulfstream last um, last week. It's just. It's going to be nuts. And Charlie, you have the number seven on top, which none me nor me or Patrick have anyone at all. The number seven, which is Boston princess, but I am using it in my pick five pick four, as you'll see later. So yeah, for me, this race now, honestly, just hearing what you guys have to say, I honestly couldn't feel any better now. Um, Howard actually pointed out, this is just like that race where everybody was all over the board on these different horses saying it's impossible. I had three horses, and even though I gave my top three, when we get to my ticket later, I actually, just like that last time, brought this one down to two. So I love that I'm the only one that feels confident about this race and has a lean. I will warn you guys, like Howard brought up, make sure you have the seven and eight as those are the two as we get to later. Right, your tickets, so you might end up paying the price for going against me. But uh, no, I love everything about this seven horse. I'm very surprised you guys weren't on it. Um, starting with the works, you know, the 48 for four furlongs, 35 for three, and then a minute for five great workouts. Love that he's got Tyler Gaffleone, my favorite jockey in the world on him. You look at his last race again, he had to go three wide. He got steadied. Everything went wrong for him in that race. And despite that was still able to close in within a length after being way off the lead. And again, having a disastrous trip. I think if he gets any bit better of a trip than last time, that he can win this race. And I love the odds on him. I'm very, very surprised to see him at this big of a price. Um, I know that it says like the late is a 47, a bit surprised it's that low. I know if you kind of look at a lot of this later, or I mean, a lot of his earlier races, he hasn't looked great. But again, if you look at him since he's come back from the layoff, his last two December races, he's improved. I really think he responded well to the change in distance. You can see obviously that this horse had mainly been running like five, five and a half, six furlongs. They bring him out to a mile. And they also, more importantly, get him on the turf instead of the all-weather. He responds with a career-best effort. And I think it's going to build on this again. Uh, but, yeah, no, I love the seven in this race, and I love the odds. Yeah, I mean, it's completely – and if you look two back, granted it was on the synthetic at five and a half, but look, all when, this, when these horses are italic here, it means they won their next race out. So the top three horses in the race two back that he raced in, all three top – all top three horses – won their next race. So again, he's racing against good horses. For me, the only thing was, is that you see these red numbers here. That means the early, the speed early in the race was very, very fast. And it was the whole way around, which in my opinion, from watching it, that's the only reason this horse might've gotten up that far was because the race fell apart. But again, this race is completely wide open. And to have a horse with one of the top buyers in the field at 64, that's definitely not bad, especially with Tyler on board. I'm going to go to my top pick, which, which again, is not the chalk, but is pretty damn close. Um, it's Mar- um, it's French Franck for Marcassian Louis Saez. Look, I, I, there's not too much speed in this race for me. There's enough, there's enough for someone to come from the back, but I don't think there's that much. So I like a horse that's a little bit more forwardly placed in this spot. 
you could see early time form and late time form are basically the are basically the exact same, which means this horse will be middle of the pack placed, hopefully, barring any weird shit that happens. But again, this horse is one for eleven. I know that, but this is the type of race where that stuff doesn't bother me because of this horse's numbers in its recent races. It's going to be a short price, which bothers me a little bit in this spot. But again, I just think it sits the trip. It sits in the middle of the pack. Louis size is going to be aggressive with this horse. He's not going to let everybody sent back, but yeah, I know Howard brings up a good point. French Franc is French bed, <laughs> French bread, by the way, baguette. Yeah, pretty much. But it's, this again, this spot's completely wide open as we keep saying. With the numbers on this horse, granted, it is one for 11. I'm going to take this horse on top that has also, might I add, has the British breeding in here, which obviously in French breeding as well, which does really well on the turf. Pat, uh, Patrick, we're going to go to you next with the one here. Again, what are you thinking with Demi Gorgon? Is you just seeing this early time for him and hoping this horse can just bullet past everybody and hold? Yeah, I like this horse. Yeah, the speed is a factor, but I also like this horse. Um, the last three times out for this trainer has run on the tapita, and I think the trainers learned that the horse doesn't really like the tapita. Put him on the turf um, with Brendan Walsh, a great trainer and a great turf trainer. The horse put up some decent buyers uh, on the turf uh, at Goldstream Park, so I think this horse should like it. Um, now, you know, like you said, is this horse a monster? Not at all, but yeah, we'll see. Well, and like I said, the pace is what one thing that I liked, and what you touched on was these last pay, uh, these last turf numbers that you saw with Brendan Walsh. Granted, in my opinion, Brendan Walsh is a better trainer than I'm not. No, just again, no. We're just people are just catching strays out here on this show. Ken Sweezy, I promise I'm not done. No disrespect to you, but Brendan Walsh really knows these turf horses, and you know, in a much and a mile harder spot, gets these horses a second third and second in this race. Actually, if you look at this one, he actually won this or no, he got, no, he did get third wicked fast got DQ'd. My apologies, but this horse is coming from optional claiming 50,000 all the way down to 20,000. It, it's a massive drop in competition. I've threw him in there again with four other horses, but this horse, especially if he gets out to the lead, a lot of these horses that are kind of, kind of crap, to be honest with you that this horse a lot of the horses don't like to pass so if you get them out in front and be aggressive as edgar zayas a lot of the time is um i could definitely see this one wiring the field and actually we lost charlie i don't know what happened to him he might have uh someone check ohio state they might be uh losing in basketball again sorry there's my one basket there's my one ohio state uh chirp for the night then i'll be done but then uh we both actually both have the last two horses which is sister nell a pletcher horse coming off of a a D a Dunf, a DNF in his last, which I know Howard is a very strong believer in the Dunf line. But Patrick, what are you thinking on this horse? Uh I'm a big fan of the Sire Kittens Joy on the turf. Yep. Um, and that's kind of my angle. Um, the horse did not like Kentucky Downs at all. It's evident. Um, for a trainer like Todd Pletcher, who is gonna put the blinkers on for the first time with this horse, I'm gonna give the you, I think you gotta put the horse, you know, you gotta give the horse a shot. Yeah, and the thing is, is that it ran really well at Gulfstream. Granted, broke its maiden last championship meet. We got him back, Charlie. Welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, the uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, the, uh, the yeah, the Wi Fi at uh, Ohio State just crashed. I just got three texts from my friend saying, "Is your Wi Fi out too?" So uh, that, that was a fun little hurdle right there to deal with. 
Chris Holtman uh, uh, is doing his last straw. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Chris, <laughs> yeah. I'm already done with Chris Holtman as is, man. He probably just came up short with the Wi-Fi like he does in every Ohio State basketball game. His last hurrah for Ohio State is unplugging all of the different, um, all of the different uh, students' Wi-Fi routers. Yeah, but no, realistically, realistically, for this horse, we're going to end on. I mean. This horse is racing again at Keeneland and Kentucky Downs for a ton more money, running the same buyers as all these other horses, puts blinkers on. But then I just don't like the Todd drop from all, especially if a Dunf drops them all the way to 20. Granted, from optional, it's not that much, but it's definitely a drop. And it almost seems like they're trying to just get rid of him. But again, for a Todd, even in a get rid of race, he still could easily win. All right, let's go to the last race, guys, here, which will be race number nine. And as I pull it up, you can see we all have different horses on top again, which, again, for better or for worse, hopefully one of us will actually be right. It is a starter optional claiming 16000 to 8000 with $30,000 purse. The morning line favorite actually is number six, C. Trident, from Miguel Vasquez and Claudio Gonzalez. Charlie, we're going to start with you here, and you are actually not going with the morning line favorite. You are going with... The number four, which let me pull it up here, is Concrete Glory for Safi off of a $6,000 claim going to Tyler Gaffleon for the mount. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm loving everything about this. Going against the chalk, being different, no one liking my horse besides me. I'm loving it. Again, the workout's pretty impressive. 46 and 4, 47 and 4, 37 and 3 is fine as well. Don't usually like speed horses, but again, love a Tyler Gaffleon horse. Love that this horse was able to get to the front. I think I mean, it was at this distance. Obviously, granted, the level wasn't great, but obviously you can see with the distancing lengths, this horse continued to get stronger. Still a great speed figure with 85, and I don't think this field is anything too crazy. I think it could wire it. Um, obviously, having um, Safi Joseph Jr. is also terrific. Honestly, I, I don't see how this horse will say at 8-1. to one. Would love it if it would. Certainly knows it would help my ticket and would be a great horse to place if you want to bet this race just on its own straight up love it value at eight to one. I truly don't see how a horse though with these connections and that result stays at those figures. But um, no, I really think that this is a fairly wide open race and uh, why not try to go for a price with again, a great connection between the trainer and jockey. Yeah. I mean, you know, Safi Joseph horses in Florida for anyone that doesn't know, they get absolutely hammered. Granted, this is the best time of year to play Goldstream as you get a bunch of high profile connections coming down for this one meet, but Safi Joseph horses will not be at high prices or very, very rarely will they be at high prices. I think Charlie, what people are seeing is this $6,000 that they was horses claimed for and now he's jumping all the way back up to an optional claiming 16 i think is what people are seeing and why people are a little turned off at this eight to one but again i think maybe you'll get probably six to one hopefully on this horse and hopefully you can kind of ride him to the promised land uh patrick we're gonna go with the one as we all have the one i have him in third charlie has him in second you have him on top what do you like about uncork the bottle um his last performance out was on the slop and i get that but it was a solid solid performance um and I think going back in distance to the six furlongs will better this horse. The trainer has been tremendous um, this year with, you know, all of his starts, especially winning his last as the horse uh, at 24%. Um, the horse has been bet in all of his starts. So, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm confident I rat on the rail, ride him home, baby, to close out this pick four. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with getting I other than you'll get bet down a lot. Yeah. But realistically, for me, 
I I I took a stand. I'm going against this horse. I didn't even throw him in my pick five, which or pick four, which might be the detriment throwing out Irad in the last race. But if you look, granted, this horse won at six furlongs on the fast dirt in August, but these green, these green, wow, I'm colorblind. With these blue numbers, it shows that the the race ended up being really slow up front early. You can see like 45 and two fifths seconds for a six furlong race goal stream is really kind of is really slow. So I think that horse might have just benefited from that day. And you see both of his other wins are on the slop at Gulfstream. Again, I could be completely wrong. Irad could win this race by 20, but I'm going to go against him in that I think this horse might just be better on the slop, even though he beat my top pick, which is six the six seed try. And again, Jim, eat your heart out to chalk away again. But this horse always runs his race. He's a massive fighter. This horse runs longer than this race is at six furlongs. He's run at a mile and seven furlongs, just like Uncork the Bottle has. I think the distance shortened, the distance shortening up actually favors C Triton a lot more than it favors the number one Uncork the Bottle, which is why I'm playing against him. I'm there is a, a little bit of speed in this race, but I'm looking for this horse to kind of just launch out like a rocket, like it has always. And this horse in its last few races has gotten the inside speed hole, which it was driven. It, dri- um, it drew the two last race. Granted, I know what people are going to say. Howard's going to give me crap for this because this horse is what, uh, what we call a money burner. You can see this horse right now. This horse was favorite at two to five last race at four to five, the race before. And he still didn't, he could not get the job done against Mr. Tito's who he actually beat one back and then beat again, but got DQ'd. If you watch that race, he was getting another drifting episode right into the way of the horse. But again, it's a money burner. I'm hoping I can get a little bit better price, hopefully around two to one, but I just hope that I think the six furlongs really benefits this horse. And hopefully this horse can just rock it out of the gate as always. And then, um, we're just going to go through this really quick. Patrick, I'm going to let you talk about your nine really quick. Jim Pilars actually really likes this pick. He said he loves boldness, the number nine in the last leg. Thinks sixth line, morning line is way too high, and he may vie for favoritism, which is actually a really good, a really interesting point. Again, another new horse for Safi. Yeah, uh, this is like the alternate for Safi in this race. Mm-hmm. Um, the horse seems to be training well. Uh, Safi had this horse last time on October 22nd. So this is, you know, pretty far away time of um, racing, but uh, the horse ran giant in, I mean, getting an 84 buyer. Mm -hmm. I I feel like it fits in this race. So I'm going to add him to the ticket, especially because he's probably going to be the bigger price of the horse. I I would think of the Safi Joseph's. I would agree with that because you could see in his last race is 23 to one, 27 to one. Granted, you know, it's, it's more about these connections. Steve Boudou, who raced 34 times last year, he won two races. So you could argue that it is about connections like that. But for me in the, in the race like this is, you know, his previous highest buyer was 77, which is a rating that they give the horses based on the race. They run higher, the better. Like his previous was 77 and that was back in the middle of 2022. And this horse races an 84, but still loses to like C Trident, who is the six in this race. Again, that's what it is for me. But again, look at the connections. You got Safi Joseph and C2 Racing Stable. For those of you that don't know, C2 is the owner of White Abario, who ended up winning the Florida Derby last year and went on to race in the Derby. Granted, did 
absolutely nothing in the Derby, but still raced in the Derby. Um, real quick, I'm going to talk about my eights, and then Charlie, I'm going to talk about three, and then we'll go over the pick five, uh, the pick fours. Straight shot for Chantal and Jorge Delgado. These numbers are what really put me to this horse. This is another horse that will be semi-close to the lead, 108 early time form. You know this horse is going to be fast out of the gate. I think it's going to get this trip where it sits just behind the leaders, and if the leaders are dying out slowly, I don't think it's going to be a complete fall apart, but I think this horse can be the beneficiary of a little bit of speed duel up front which is why I went with the eight. Charlie, you're going with the three and third. Just to round out the show, you're going Carmel Chip for Sonny Leone at 12 to one. Yeah, so again, I think this is another horse where it had just a significant, significant improvement in its last race with, again, the 85 figure. I like that it's early and late speed figures are good as well, so it doesn't really seem like the race has to go a certain way for it to function well. Workouts have been incredible with 48, 48, and 47. Um I think Sonny Leone's an underrated jockey. I Again, I, I like what I saw in its last race. I think the distance will suit it well. Um, I do think this is a bit of a wide open race. I think this is probably the weakest race out of the four that we're doing, which is why like, I made sure to be a little more spread out. And also, I'm looking for a price. I just didn't, the reason I didn't like Sea Trident is I don't think there's a horse in this race that's good enough to be worth those odds. I think you can somewhat admit that he's not necessarily proved himself enough to be a five to two i think kind of how you showed earlier with him failing as the favorite a lot that like he is kind of getting put in these spots Mm -hmm. pricing betting down wise where like he's a great horse but he's not worth those um and then one other just like everything i want to touch on is i just want to make sure that we um highlight our best bets for the nfl games because i don't think we did that before we uh get into the pick fours yeah we did we went over it and you said yeah we went over it i said oh wait no uh, we did i said the bills i apologize you're good don't worry about it i mean but Again, it's a good thing to touch on is, but like I said, this is another horse where you can see like this horse's previous best, granted it was all the way back in 83, but that was on the turf. The best dirt number this horse has was a 79 all the way back in middle of 2021. And all of a sudden this horse pops an 85 and out of nowhere. And again, going to a trainer that's won four races in the past year. That's just my opinion. But again, this, again, this is another race where it's completely wide open at 12 to one, you'd be willing to take that shot as well. Guys, while well, round out the show, let's go to the pick fours here for Friday. Patrick, we're going to you first. I'm going to read it out first so our audio listeners can hear. Uh, the first Patrick is going, it's $15 for 50 cents. It is 579 with 310 with 13578. And he is going big balls, and he's singling the number one uncork the bottle in the last race. Patrick, what what's your kind of thinking with this ticket? Yeah, so for the first leg, um, I'm thinking there's like you know two or three horses. You know, we talked about therapists; we all have them. Um, you know, I think he's the obvious favorite choice out of you know the three of us. So I'm gonna go three deep there. Um, maybe get a price to start out um, three ten in the second leg. Um, you know, try to keep it. Small, but you know, I'll probably play a backup ticket bouncing off that in the third leg. One, three, five, seven, eight. I think those are the you know, the five logical horses. Um, I mean, you could make a case for the other four in the race, like you know, I'm not going to argue with you on that. And in the last leg, um, I'm going to play the one, you know, I like Irad, um, I like the speed on the rail, you know, I'm, uh, I'm throwing up a prayer, you know, I got beat in the last leg having six horses so you know what if i get beat with one i'll take it but if i get beat with six oh my gosh 
<laughs> well, yeah, if you get beat with six, then uh, yeah, you're really just going to be the unluckiest guy, or you're just, you know, or you're just crap. But that's that's my saying. <laughs> I'm crap. You're just honestly just unlucky. That last last week was absolutely unbelievable, especially after you singled that horse in the first leg, which was unbelievable. Charlie, we're going to you here next. You're going with a eighteen dollar ticket for fifty cents. You're going two seven with two three five with seven eight with one three four and again no singles but again a very skinny ticket just like last week yeah so uh i mean the first race again i really thought about being bold i like the uh three and the and the seven and or seven race uh six and then the three and race seven enough where i really did have parts of me that was like do i just single one or both of them and just go completely crazy and catch everyone off guard but unfortunately i'm not that risky i'm not even at patrick's level of risky where i can again just single a horse in a race i'm not there yet but uh yeah i really do like the seven and the two in that race um then going into the next race i really do think it's just between the three and the two However, I do think I know we didn't end up having a chance to touch on it, that the five is an interesting horse with especially having Luis Saez on it. So that's why I did include him in that race. Um, And I do think that one, even though it's not wide open, it just is the one to me where I was like, if there's one race that seems super predictable, that might not be because it seems like it should just be the three. I feel like it would be that one. Um, that race kind of feels like the one where, if you guys remember from last week, where everybody singled the two horse and I didn't even have him in my top three and didn't end up winning. Kind of feel like that's what this race could be. Next race, obviously, if anyone's going to only go two horses deep in the most crazy race, it's got to be this guy. Uh, the good news for Patrick is he does have both of my horses in it, so he theoretically should get through this time. Uh, he didn't make the same mistake twice, which is good. And then, again, the last race, how we kind of touched on, I think it's wide open. I think it's a fairly weak race, so I did go three deep uh, with the one, three, and the four, making sure I had all mine in there. And now who knows? I mean, if my top choice, the four, goes in, you could finish with a pretty – I mean, I guess he'll probably go lower than eight to one, but a decent price to end your ticket. Absolutely. And, you know, they said, you know, you may not single, but you have a, you know, a skinny enough ticket where people can play it for 18 and you get some good prices in there. You could really get it. But now, obviously, what everyone's waiting for is my ticket. We're going four, seven, eight in the first leg. We're singling the three in the second leg, which I believe is, let me look up the name. It is strong quality for Irad and Marcassi in the second race. Then I'm completely spreading one, two, three, five, and eight. And then in the last race, I am throwing out uncork the bottle for my better or for my detriment. It is I'm just going six eight in the last leg. And look, it it this this sequence is really interest is really tough and really interesting to where it is really hard to find a single in this race. But you guys know for longtime viewers of this podcast, you guys know how I like to play. I love to play the ticket more than once, and I love to have a single. Um, if there was one single for me, it would be strong quality. The horses just run extremely good back numbers it gets i read on it turning back with blinkers on for mark cassie i just think this horse really does have the necessary tools to be able to just fire out to the lead and just in typical i read fresh fashion re-break at the top of the stretch and win for fun hopefully but guys this has been a great show i greatly appreciate everybody coming out it's been a ton of fun as always Howard, thanks so much for the kind words. Greatly appreciate it. And Jim Pilars, I appreciate the you know all the kind words enjoying the show. No, Jim, this is the point of the show. We love to bring up the comments. I want to get as much viewer interaction as possible. So for anyone that's still listening, please next next week, which is next Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, please leave your comments in the live chat. We will get to every single chat that is out there. We greatly appreciate it. The gentle digs, it's all in fun, and especially with the booze, no one's safe especially from Charlie, Miss uh, Laggy Ohio State McGee. But, you Chris know, Holtman. 
<laughs> it is Chris Holtman. <laughs> but guys, it's been an absolute ton of fun. I greatly appreciate everybody coming out. This has been Kyle Roscoe, Patrick Kunsel, and Charlie Freeman. This has been episode number two of Betting and Boozing here on the HHH Racing Podcast. Thank you so much, everybody. Have a good night.